money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. So every week we share something new with you guys to be able to grow and build your business. Uh, you can watch the prior episodes of our tips of the week. We have uh, probably several hundred of them out there now. Uh, this week we're focused on part of our real estate investor blueprint. So this is the blueprint that we use to start our business and we created it after we had been investing for a while. And it goes through the 272 different things that we had learned in our business. I know it's an eye chart for those of you guys in the back. But what we're doing as part of this investor series is we're breaking down many of the elements to give you an idea of what we call an overview of real estate investing. So we're at the end of this overview, we're at the end of this series. If you want to catch up on this series, which I would recommend that you do, and specifically go through the marketing part of the presentation, that's where I want you to get started because that's where uh, the rubber meets the road. That's where you can get information and be able to uh, get leads and turn them into deals. So excited to be able to share that with you. So check out our Texas Rias YouTube channel or our podcast to be able to learn more about that. So this is episode 14 in our overview of real estate investing, getting started in real estate investing. Again, uh, check out our YouTube channel, our podcast, or wherever you guys get your information online. We're just about in every source out there uh, to be able to see some of those prior tips of the week. Now, as we talk about education, um, there is a, a saying that I both love and hate, and that is that experience is the worst teacher out there because experience gives you the test first and the lesson after. And most of you guys would probably like to get the lesson before you get the test, right? Because sometimes the test, and when it comes to real estate, and that lesson after can be a very expensive lesson. And I've seen as many people make money as real estate investors as I've seen lose money as real estate investors. And as uh, owner, founder, president of Texas Rias, I've had to unscramble a lot of eggs for many brand new investors who just got in over their head. And usually it starts with the wrong deal at the wrong price uh, and the wrong repairs and everything else can kind of go from there. So I want you guys to be able to get your experience from other people who have already been there so you can walk in their footsteps and you don't have to try and uh, create and Blaze your own path because you will un, uh, you will probably get burned along that way. Um, I like in real estate investing, it's it's that you know some people say, well, I'm I, I've watched HGTV, like I think I've got this, you know, I've seen a few episodes, and they'll just get out there and try to you know take a swing at it. And sometimes I liken it to someone who says, I wanna be the heavyweight champion of the world, decides that today, watches a few YouTube videos, and then goes to buy their first property not knowing that they're getting in the ring with Mike Tyson who might be biting their ear off tonight, right? So guys, I wanna make sure that just like if you were going to be the heavyweight champion of the world, that you'd get your training in place for that in advance. Um, because either you pay for your education in the form of hiring a mentor or a coach, or you pay for your education through a bad deal or a bad experience. And I've had many investors come to me and it's always heartbreaking when they say, I don't care if I make money on this, I just want the 
experience and that literally like physically makes my stomach turn because basically what you're saying is you're gonna get yourself into a bad deal, you're gonna overpay for it and you're gonna say that's okay, I don't mind if I work six months or longer on this deal, I don't mind if I don't make any money. If you're already starting the deal with I don't mind if I don't make any money, and, and you get a surprise from your contractor, you get a project surprise, the market changes, right? So people who were buying properties last year this time and were using comps from the fever pitch part of the year, May and June of 2022, when every single property was getting an above list price offer for you know thousands of dollars over and uh, a quick closing, that's not the market that we are in right now. So I don't want you guys to get that experience yourself in the marketplace. And uh, probably one of my favorite books is The Psychology of Money. Has anyone in here read that book, The Psychology of Money, Morgan Housel? That is a great book, um, so highly recommend it to you guys. One of the things that he said that has stuck with me is he said, uh, plan for the plan not going according to plan because things that have never happened before, well, they happen all the time, right? And is, have we seen that more than ever in real estate <laughs> over even just the last three years? It's been a little bit of a roller coaster, both the exciting time where we got that big smile on our face as well as the horrifying time, which is, and I'm not going to say it's been horrifying over the last year, but it's been tough over the last year because we've been in an interest rate environment that most people who are in this room probably have not lived through or have certainly not invested through. So I want to make sure that you are uh, getting other people as your sounding board as you are investing in real estate. And um, I'll quote, uh, uh, I think this is Shakespeare, a fool and his money are soon parted. A new investor and his or her money, in many cases, are soon parted. No one's gonna, no one's gonna raise their hand to, to answer this, but I'm curious, how many of you guys are gonna be investing with your own cash? I know no one's gonna answer because everyone's like, don't follow me to the parking lot. <laughs> so a couple of you guys did. So may I give you guys who are gonna be investing with your own cash some advice just right out of the gate? Um, if you want some of the best free advice and free coaching that you will ever get in your life, it is even if you have your own money to be able to do that first deal by yourself, run that deal by a hard money lender. And what are you gonna say to that hard money lender? Would you fund this deal? And if they say no, what have they just given you? The answer that it's not a good deal, they've given you some of the best free advice you've ever, you, that you sh should, and you should do what after they say no? You should go renegotiate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, I want to make money every time the phone rings and we'll share with you guys different ways to be able to do that as part of the meeting tonight. Uh, but either renegotiate or, or run away. So I will say there is something that I like to call the hard money decoder ring. The hard money decoder ring. Have you guys heard of that before? Yeah, let me give it to you. So when a hard money lender says, I'll fund your deal, but I need you to bring $30,000 to the closing table, what have they just told you about your deal? It's a stinker. You might not make money, but if you bring $30,000 to the table, I'm assured to make money as the lender, okay? So not everyone has that hard money decoder ring. I wanna make sure all of you guys do, especially those of you guys who are planning on investing in your first deal with your own cash. So 
Um, that's uh, some experience uh, that I don't want you guys to get by overpaying for a property, right? Because no deal is better than a bad deal. Now, when you're getting started for many people, um, and I know you all have had this experience, you don't even know what questions to ask, right? There's this, there's this scale of competency, right? Where it's like unconsciously incompetent, right? Don't even know what you don't know consciously incompetent, like, oh wow, I learned a lot about what I don't know and the amount of stuff that I don't know just ex expanded to me, right? Consciously competent, right? I've got this, but I still gotta go back to the user's manual to make sure that I'm still doing this, right? And then consciously, or pardon me, unconsciously competent, where it's something you can do in your sleep. So, but until you get down that scale of competency, and in many cases, that's just being in the market for long enough or having someone looking over your shoulder saying, do this, don't do this, um, you may not be making some of the best decisions. So I highly recommend having someone look over your deals. The first person that can easily look over your deals, especially those of you guys who are funding your own deals yourself, is that hard money lender. There are a ton uh, in this market here. Uh, um, so uh, in, in fact, in you know, many cases, as part of this meeting, when the market is up, like I can't throw a tissue without hitting a hard money lender. But when the market is down, like I can't throw a baseball, like, you know, and or, or hit a home run uh, and actually be able to hit a hard money lender. So they do come and go depending on what's happening in the market, but they're a great resource to be able to uh, get a little analysis and brain picking on your deal. And then I'll also recommend uh, something that my business coach taught me very early on, which is scenario analysis, which is breakpoint analysis, which is basically looking, for me, I always, every time I do a deal, I have a spreadsheet that I've been using for the last 20 years, and it's best case, worst case, most likely case. So I wanna look at changes in ARV, I wanna look at changes in repairs, and I wanna look at changes in how long I'm gonna be holding that deal because I need that sensitivity analysis to know like what happens if the egg doesn't land sunny side up, right? What happens if we got an issue here? And what I find is that most new investors, what case analysis do they use? They use the best case, in fact, they use the best case on steroids, right? They use the highest ARV, they use the lowest repair cost, they use the shortest time to be able to repair that property, they use the lowest days on market, they don't understand that days on market does, is not, does not include time to close, which adds another 30 to 45 days of holding costs for you. And of course, on their projects, nothing ever goes wrong, right? Listen, my renovation project came in on time and on budget. Who said that? There would be no one, ever. But what I find is that most investors expect that on their first deal. And most investors overpay on their first deal. And what is the last deal that you ever wanna overpay on? That would be the first deal. So uh, please, I wanna make sure you guys do your scenario analysis, look at that sensitivity because it will make a, uh, a difference. So some of the new investor psychology, again, since it's my first deal, I should be able to get the highest resale price that's ever happened in the neighborhood. That's literally the logic. And, and, and that is, and I don't know if it's a cognitive uh, bias, but as a cognitive bias, I, and I think it's, it gets heightened as you guys watch more HGTV. It's like, well, that idiot did it. I certainly can, right? So I will tell you as a tip, think like a bank. Think like a bank. What does that mean? What does that mean to you guys? Think like an appraiser. What does that mean to you guys? Sometimes I feel like a lot of new investors, 
you guys know what, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's those goggles that you have on at 2 a.m. after you've been drinking a little too much, right? You see someone of the opposite sex on, on the, sex on the other side of the room and you say, you look about my age. <laughs> don't ever use that as a pickup line. Just, I just wanna just make, sure, make sure you don't use that. But you're like, yeah, I'm, I'll take you home, right? New investors who are not looking at a lot of deals, to them, every deal looks what? Good. They forget to, they, they look past all of the red flags and yellow, you know, yellow flags, right? They buy the houses with a yellow line in the middle of the street. What does that mean? They buy the houses with the uh, uh, commercial building in the back. And what do they think about it? Oh, no one's going to notice that. No one's going to care about that. Right? They're just looking at inside the house and they're so excited they're ready to go. So instead, think like a bank, think like an appraiser. Uh, new investor psychology. Since it's my first deal, I shouldn't have any surprises on my project, right? There won't be any extra repairs or it won't result in extra time, right? Most new investors are 25% over budget on their first project. And most statistics, 87% of statistics are made up on the spot too. Just want to... <laughs> In fact, I would say that it's probably 25 to 50% over budget, especially on those first deals because of those surprises and even because sometimes our contractor leaves us in a lurch. How many of you guys besides me have been in a situation where a contractor has taken off with your money? Yes. Okay, and those of, those of you guys who are not raising your hands, it's because you're still holding on to your wallet because you're afraid he's gonna come back, right? I mean, like this happens and it happens all the time. So uh, make sure that uh, you don't get hit with that. Make sure you don't give, you know, uh, a, a lot of brand new, um, a lot of contractors, especially in the market that we're in right now where contractors are so incredibly busy, their, their renovation ex estimate is, is very simple. It just says, fix house, $60,000 have to now. That's what it says, because it takes about two to three hours to be able to build a line by line scope of work, right? So this is an easy one to get in, uh, caught into. So I'll tell you guys, um, for every $10,000 that is part of your rehab budget, you should have at least a one page detailed 12 point font scope of work. For every $10,000 that you spend, your scope of work needs to be at least one page. So if you have an $80,000 scope of work, how many pages does our scope of work need to be? If you have an $80,000 renovation budget, how many pages does our scope of work need to be? That, I just wanna, just wanna do some basic math in here. You guys pass, that's awesome, thank you. Uh, so wanna make sure you guys are aware of that and also wanna make sure you guys are not accidentally paying someone all of their money up front because that is the perfect recipe of something going incredibly wrong. Uh, Charlie Munger talks about it. He talks about incentives. Have any of you guys uh, read Poor Charlie's Al Almanac? So uh, yeah, so uh, Charlie Munger's Warren Buffett's right-hand man for the last 40, 50 years. He's 90 years old and um, Robert Cialdini, um, uh, who wrote a, a, a book about influence. Uh, he actually gave Robert Cialdini one of the shares of Berkshire Hathaway after he read that book because he realized that everything in life is about incentives. So make sure that those incentives are lined up for you as a new real estate investor and on your side. 
Uh, so since it's my first deal, my project's going to finish really fast and I'll sell it as soon as it goes on market. Well, one of the things that we find, are you waiting for me for something? You need this back. There you go. I'm not gonna tell you where that's been. So for every $5,000 in your rehab budget, expect one week of time. So I already told you for every $10,000 you spend, you have to have at least one page scope of work. This is the other tip for you. For every $5,000 in your rehab budget, expect one week of time. So if your budget is 50,000, expect that you're going to spend 10 weeks on your project. Now what I will tell you is your contractor is gonna tell you, oh no, 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 this project, I'm gonna have this wrapped up in six weeks. Okay, yes, all right, I'll, I'll file that in the back, right? And I know, and it's so funny, I, I, had, I, had, I had one contractor and, and he was making an excuse for why he was behind on my project and he said to me, and I quote, well, um, there was just a lot of rain. I'm like, rain, 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 rain? What is this? Is this some new weather phenomena that no one heretofore has ever, ever heard of or could plan around that there would be rain, right? Or, or one of these other things. Like, so sometimes they'll say stuff like that. So, so just know that this is my rule of thumb. It's been working for me for the last 20 years. Uh, days on market. So some of you guys will read that number, the days on market number, and you'll think, oh, well, I'll put it on the market and then 30 days later, right, it's going to sell. Well, if the days on market is 30 days, right, that's the day it goes under contract, okay? After that, it's time to sell. So the MLS only tracks that days on market. They don't track the time to sell because if it's a cash buyer, how quickly can it close? Immediately, right? But if it's an FHA buyer, how long is it gonna take to close? 45 days if you're lucky, right? So you need to be sure to include that as well. And I always recommend that investors look at months of inventory instead of days on market. And the reason why I suggest that is because months of inventory is kind of your worst case scenario, right? What if I'm the last uh, person to get picked for the kickball team, right? This is that scenario. This is part of that scenario analysis, which basically, basically says, if I'm the last person to sell of all of the other properties that are listed out here, this is how long I'm gonna be holding onto that property. This should be part of your sensitivity analysis, your best, worst, and most likely case scen uh, scenario analysis, so that you know how much it'll cost you if you are the last one to get picked uh, by the buyer there. Uh, so sometimes I find that good judgment is suspended and many new investors don't consider the impact of things like busy streets, awkward layout, layouts, backing up to commercial. And what I tell people, and again, this is part of that investor beer goggle thing, right? It's like, it's the only deal, you know, only deal in the bar, I'm gonna go and take that one. You have to think, in, in my opinion, you have to think like a family. So what is a family gonna say if there's a yellow stripe in the middle of the road? They're gonna think, this is a busy area. I'm afraid my kid's gonna get what? Run over, right? So I don't care how good of a rehab that you did on the inside, I'm not even looking at that, right? Uh, if it's backing to commercial, and usually it's back to like a duplex or an apartment complex, it's always gonna sell for, for less. Why? Because again, think like a family. I don't know if I wanna be next to a bunch of people moving in and out all the time, right? 
You want your buyer pool to be as big as possible. If you are thinking like a family would think, then you're gonna buy properties that have that larger buyer pool. Now, the truth is for us as real estate investors, do we get the perfect house on the perfect cul-de-sac in the perfect neighborhood? You know, no, we, we get the houses with the yellow stripes in the middle of the road and we, they're busy and all these other things going on. Here's, here's a saying that my coach taught me a long time ago. You guys probably know the answer. Every problem has a, is that true? A lot of people think, oh no, this problem, it has no solution, right? No, the solution is we gotta lower the price. And, we, so, and if our buyer pool goes from this many buyers to this many buyers, do we need to lower the price to compensate for that? And the answer is yes. So I want you guys to think like that and also think like a family is when you're using, if, you're, if your subject property is on the busy street that backs to the apartment complex and you're using a comp that's on the cul-de-sac, right? That's another five blocks away. I can promise you, you're not coming up with the right price for that property. So I wanna make sure you stay safe out there. So final thoughts, uh, spend time with other experienced, what we call full cycle investors who can answer your questions um, and ask the questions that maybe even you've not considered. That's why uh, us as part of Texas RIAs can help you get the education that you need in order to be successful and really just not make mistakes because when you get in the ring without experience and you're getting your education from the streets, you will feel like what it's gonna feel like to have somebody bite your ear off or punch you in the throat. It's not gonna feel good and I wanna make sure you guys all have the best investing experience possible. So if that tip of the week was helpful to you guys, we have hundreds more on our Texas Rias YouTube channel as well as our podcast. Um, and then next week, we're gonna be doing some uh, a top investor mistakes series. And sadly, this is a series that I've done before and there's like 14 different categories of top investor mistakes. But I kinda want the motivational part of my presentation to end before that. That's a joke. I'll just give that a chance to sink in. So I'll probably make it a little shorter for next week. And then we'll also talk about getting past the front door for all of you guys who are thinking about door knocking. So if you wanna binge watch and become the expert, uh, join us and subscribe on our Texas Rias podcast so that we can help you along that journey. So one of the fun things we get to do every week as well is talk about the market update. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm known for. And uh, we're able to update what's happened in the market every single uh, month. Uh, right now we're still looking at the June numbers because all of the July numbers are not out, but I did put some of the year-to-date numbers in here uh, just so you can know what it looked like through the first six months of 2023. So uh, for all of Texas, uh, the average price was 434000 down, but only down 1%, which for someone having gone through and invested through 2008, 9, 10, and 11, which felt like the same year on repeat over and over again in terms of the real estate market. Uh, at that time, I was saying flat is the new up. And for me, in this market, when we've more than doubled interest rates in the course of a year, uh, down 1%, that's the new up. We should all be really celebrating this fact. Uh, closed sales uh, last month were down 10%, year to date in Texas down 14%. 
So the fact that sales can be down 14% and we can still hold that average price at only being down 1%, guys, that is a huge win for all of us. For the Dallas and Fort Worth market, uh, last month's average price, 520,000, down 3%. Year to date, that average price is only down 1%. Closed sales in Dallas down 4% uh, last month, uh, June uh, 2023 versus June 2022. Year to date down, but only down 6%. Pending sales, which is our closest leading indicator of what closed sales will be as we finish out the month of July, down 7%. So we'll continue to see that year to date number be about the same. If you're wondering where everyone is going, everyone is going into rentals. So the number of leased list leased listings on the MLS are up 26% year over year, and the lease price is up, right? But it's only up 2% versus if you were to look at it last year, you'd see a number that was closer to 10%. So lease prices are still going up, just not at the same rate that they were going up the same time last year. Austin, uh, this market went up the fastest and it's also coming down the hardest. Uh, last month, the average, but no one feels sorry for Austin because last month the average price was $611,000. For those of you guys who are unfamiliar with Austin, um, the, the word Austin comes from the Latin root of San Francisco. You guys may have heard of it, yeah. So, uh, so, so really expensive. Oh, you guys like that one. All right, that's winning, okay, good. Uh, I'm gonna, so, sta so stand-up comedy is going to be my third career. I'll just ask that you guys that are laughing, if you guys could just be in the, f the front part of the row, so just make sure like it just kinda, you know, and maybe wear a microphone so it's like really reverberates really well. Okay, so the sales price, um, 611,000 down 8% year over year, year to date in Austin down 10%. Last month sales down 8.5%, the total number of sales. Year to date the sales in Austin are down 14.5%. Uh, I've got this one stat here in the purple box. Last year the close price to the original list price was 106%. So basically what that means is if it was listed for 100,000, it sold for 100, 106,000. I know that animals doesn't exist in Austin or really very few places in Texas, but that's just the idea. Today, if it was listed for 100,000, it sold for 94,500, right? So that's that big 10% uh, drop that we've seen year over year. In the San Antonio market, uh, San Antonio last month was flat in terms of their average price at 396,000, year to date down, but only down 1%. The number of closed sales in San Antonio down 9% year, uh, year over year, and year to date down 12%. Again, where's everyone going in San Antonio? Uh, their uh, leases are up 17% year over year, lease price up 4% year over year. In the Houston market, the average price was down, but it was only down 0.5%, which again, I think is winning. Average price 431,000. Uh, sales last month were down, they were down 13%, but the pending sales for what July looks like as we close out July, only down 5%. The leases are hot in Houston as well, up 16% year over year. The lease price up 3%. And the number of people who are leasing up 18.4%. Who are these people? They are would-be sellers who have said what? I'm gonna wait until the market 
gets a little hotter and then I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna sell then. I'll see you next year after my lease is up. So we have a lot of what we call accidental landlords. We had a ton of accidental landlords in 2008, nine and 10 where people were not able to sell the property that they had, they ended up sitting on it and holding it uh, for the long time. So uh, that's what happens when we have a market in the way that we have a market now. So that is our market update for this month. And I want to move on to a special announcement that we have for you guys as part of Texas RIAs. So we would love to give you all of the shortcuts and tell you all of the potholes to avoid as a real estate investor. And to do that, we have created a three-day class to give you what I call a PhD in real estate investing from people who have been doing it for the last 20 years. During that class, we're gonna go over our 12 different investing strategies. These are investing strategies that work in up markets. These are investing strategies that work in down markets. These are investing strategies that will make sure that if you decide to leave your full-time job, that you don't have to go back and update your resume because you're prepared with a strategy that works and up market, down market, and even some of the uncertain markets that I would say that we're in right now. <clears throat> we'll also go through what we call the 65 different marketing strategies to find off-market wholesale deals because what I can tell you is your deal is not in the MLS, okay? Your deal is in some dark, dank alley, and we're gonna show you exactly where to find that and exactly what to, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> and exactly what to say when you get there. Who are my, friend, my friends of Chris Voss and my fans of Chris Voss? Never split the difference. Probably one of the uh, great, uh, I think probably in the top five negotiating books that was ever written. If you guys have not read it, uh, Chris Voss was a former uh, FBI terrorist and hostage negotiator. And for those of you guys who are thinking, well, what is terrorists and hostage? I'm here for real estate. If you're thinking that, then you've never dealt with a motivated seller, okay? Because for those of you who have, sometimes it does feel like a terrorist or hostage negotiation, okay? So uh, combined with us talking to over 1,200 sellers, we've used many of the scripts that we've learned from Chris Voss to be able to put properties under contract to be able to close deals. So we'll go through many of those as well as part of our weekend workshop. Um, the time is now, we have a workshop, we have three workshops coming up, so we'd love to invite you to join us on this real estate investing journey. I will ask you guys, this is the time to pull out your phone and to uh, scan that QR code. If you're unfamiliar with QR codes, just go to texasstarterkit.com on your phone and you'll be able to pull this up. This is a limited three city tour that we've got going on. There may be some additional dates available when you're registering, so if you find something that's a better fit for you, you can get registered for that. I'd love to have you, it has been my honor uh, my privilege, my duty, my love to be able to help people start investing in real estate, to be able to collect your key cards from places that you used to work so that you can now do things that you'd love. I'd love to have you guys all join us. You can come either online. For those of you guys who are online, it's kind of the same experience, or you can come in person. And I promise when you guys come in person, we'll have tables and it'll feel a little bit less like a Southwest Airlines flight for you. So I'd love to have you there. Go to texasstartercit.com or scan the uh, code in the box right there. 
And guys, as we transition, I wanna introduce our keynote speaker tonight, Mr. Phil Grove. He's a nationally recognized expert in a number of real estate investing strategies. He's trained over 100,000 people uh, all across the United States, but mostly in Texas. And he's done over 1,200 deals, totaling over $200 million in real estate, invested in over 300, 300 million, pardon me, in commercial real estate properties, and survived and thrived in every part of the market cycle, and now owns over $30 million, mostly free and clear of single-family real estate right here in Texas. Will you guys all please give a warm round of applause to Mr. Phil Grove. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you like today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.